The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! Hey! You think he's gone? He's not gone! That's the whole point! He's never gone! Is this some radical new therapy? You see? Oh, well, I mustn't have been paying attention when you were just talking to me. Leave that up a Try and get a watch party going. We need everybody to share this today. Still trying to get used to this new computer. Watch parties. Oh, I don't mind just a little driving me out of my mind. Something that's We're up, we're on, we're good. We're doing a show today. We almost didn't do we, we almost didn't do a show today too. That's so funny. Don't let the fans down, Tom. I know, I know. I didn't do a show last week, nobody even noticed. Oh, I did. I was here. I missed you. We share the same birthday. Oh yeah. Your birthday was yesterday and my birthday was yesterday. Yeah. We won't tell everyone how old we are. No, we won't. I just say forty five. I just leave it right there. Nice. Just say forty five. Nice. I got a friend that does that. He says, oh, I'm 45 for the sixth time this year. There you go. I stopped counting at 45, and like I'm on the phone with somebody who's like, hey, how old are you? And I, I had to think about it. I'm like counting on my fingers. I went to Lawrence High, so I got to count on my fingers. I'm counting on my fingers going. And then I said, and then I gave him a number, and I was still off by two years. Like, I had to actually think about it. Like I don't even know how old I am. I was off by a year this year, but I, I was overestimating myself. So it yeah. made me really happy when I realized I was a year younger. All right, should we start the show? I guess we can. I feel like we should. Don't really have a whole lot for everybody today, but that's all right. I actually did get a bunch of emails from people asking where the, where the show was last week. Still the regulars, though. Hey, how you guys doing? My name's Tom Duggan here with the Paying Attention Podcast. Hi, atop Two Guys Smoke Shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. Got a uh, short version of the show for you today, although every time I say that, we're like 15 minutes over, so who, who knows? I'm planning a shorter show for you today. I believe in if you. I can, if I can get out. I'm going out with, uh, going out with my sister for, for, uh, for dinner, lunch, brunch, whatever you want to call it. Late lunch well, after the say, show. Yeah. Like dinner or late lunch? Or, yeah. Early dinner, late lunch oh. uh, with my sister Keanu afterwards. And then, um, nice. and then I've got a, a, an interview I've got to do later on. So it's just a very, very busy day for me. It's been crazy. I've had no computer for the last week. I've been working on a backup computer. All my data was at Jasmine's computer service. I got to tell you guys, and they don't, they don't 
they're not sponsoring the show, and we will thank the sponsors in a second, but I want to give a free shout-out to Mr. and Mrs. Lowe at Jasmine's Computer Service. About 15, maybe 10 years ago, I had this catastrophic computer failure, and all my data for the paper was on that computer. I had no backup. And I had a friend that works for the government, and all he does is extract data from computers for law enforcement, so I gave it to him. And he brought it back to me a week later and said, Tom, this, I can't get anything off of this. It's just dead. There's just no way we can do it. So I was drowning in my sorrows at Salvatore's one day, and my friend Dave LaCroix uh, bought me a drink, and he, I told him about my computer woes, and I was all bummed out that we'd lost like 12 years of Valley Patriot files. Ugh. And he said, no, 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 I got a guy. I said, yeah, I know everybody's got a guy. He said, no, 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 I've got a guy. He said, go see Mr. Lowe. Tell him you're a friend of mine. He'll take care of you. So I went to see Mr. Lowe at Jasmine's Computer Service here in Salem, New Hampshire on 28, and I brought in my hard drive, and he said, um, he said, you know, I, he, he plugged it into his machines. He said, I don't think we can get anything out of this, but leave it with me for a day and let me see what I can do. This was my girlfriend at the time, so we left and we went to lunch. And we went to the 99 here in Salem. And as we're paying our bill, I get a text message from Mr. Lowe. I've got all your data. Come pick up your computer. Go, Mr. Lowe. I was like, wait a minute. In under an hour, you got what the guy who works for the feds couldn't get? So I went down there, and I thought maybe he only got some of the data. Or there's just no way. And I got there, and he pulled it all up. And we had, we, I lost some files that were corrupted, but I got about 95 to 98% of my data back. And... Um, Got to be happy with that. And so I've been using Jasmine's computer service. So I just, just this last week had a similar situation. My laptop died. I had a lot of stuff backed up, but the stuff on my computer wasn't, which was all the stuff for the next paper. Oh, God. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And I walked in and I said, I don't know if you can work another miracle, but I'd really appreciate it. And he did. I went out and I got a new computer. He transferred everything over. I didn't have to. And he even like got me like um, Word, Excel. Like he got all my my serial key passwords for the programs I was using. Wow. And and so like I only had like I have like other stuff like PayPal I have to get my, my passwords from and Google AdSense and all that. Mm. But for the most part, Jasmine's computer service, if you got if you brought it to three or four places and they've told you they can't get your data, I'd say before you throw that hard drive away Get it over to Jasmine's computer service. And by the way, when he was done, I think he, he charged me like $300, like for oh. everything, for everything. Wow. And I was, re- I was ready to pay $1,000 to get my data back. Right. Well, I'm definitely heading in. I've got a broken right? hard drive. I went to uh, Best Buy and they said uh, 500 or more dollars yep. to, to recover. Yep. And on top of all that, he's got two kids. By the way, Mr. Lowe, I found out later on, his son was the first soldier to die in the war in Afghanistan. Wow. And so they run a uh, spaghetti dinner for a scholarship in his honor every year. I find out this all after I meet him, right? Yeah. So we've become really good friends. We've honored the Lowe's at our bash as Gold Star families every year when we have our bash. Uh, we've, we've honored them. We give them a free table. We sit them up front as Gold Star families. Um, and they're just really nice people. And his two other sons go to MIT. And they're taking, like, computer stuff. So if he can't get your data, he can have his kid bring the computer into school with like their multi-billion dollar machines and they'll get your data for you. Awesome. So if you've got a if you've got a computer problem, I know it's a free plug, they're not they're not paying for this, but given how much great work he's done on my computer, he certainly deserves it. Mr. and Mrs. Lowe over at Jasmine's computer service, we certainly appreciate them. Also want to thank Climate Design Systems, uh, EIS investigation. I want to apologize to them. We've had the wrong phone number on their ad here on the show. Um, so uh, if you need gun training, if you need a private investigator, 
give them a call. We also have another private investigator who's going to be coming on board. I don't know how that's going to work with two private investigators, but Uh-oh. we'll make it work. Conflict. Uh, clear path for Veterans New England. Um, we certainly appreciate them, and I'm hoping to have them here next week. I'm going to call Jason after the show, um, try and get them to come in and talk about how they're using um, service service dogs and, and how they've gotten through covid Certainly appreciate them. Century 21, we love Sam and Matt and Janet and everybody over at, excuse me, Century 21. If if you're thinking of selling your house, now's the time to do it. Prices are going up. You don't want to do it when prices are going down. You want to do it when prices are going up. And you want somebody who's been doing this for a long time. And um, Century 21, McLennan and company have been doing this since 1985, since I graduated high school. I should tell you how old I am. Two years after for those I was you, born. For those of you who were trying to do the math earlier, Right. Um, and who else? And of course, Marcin and Son Construction. I know every week I say we're going to try and get Ronnie on the show. We're still trying. I think he's waiting till we get closer to the election. Um, but certainly we want to get Ronnie on the show. So we had a couple of topics to get to. A few weeks ago, we came in and we talked about my public records request to the city of Methuen. Yes, I remember. What's been happening? So here's what happened. So I, sent, so I submitted a public records request. I actually sent in two. I sent in a public records request for all of the legal bills, all the money that they've paid, the city of Methuen, the city council has paid in legal bills uh, for the last two years, above and beyond what the contract called for. So if they if they contracted with law firm A to settle, say, the Joe Solomon contract, um, they get a certain rate in that contract. But if they use them for other stuff, if they go above the contract, they have to pay a different rate. They have to pay a much higher rate. Right. So uh, City Council President Steve Saber mentioned at a meeting one day that he, uh, something about we went above the contract, but it was worth every penny or something like that. And I thought, yeah, well, we should know what that is, right? They didn't give us a number at the meeting, so we should know what that is. So I submitted a public records request to the city of Methuen for um, a listing of all the money above and beyond the contract, the legal contracts. And they sent me this deceitful, smarmy letter back saying, well, we don't really keep that, keep those records in the format you asked it for. And because we're not, we're not uh, under the law required to compile records, we're only, we're only um, mandated to give you records that we already have. So in other words, if, if I want three different things from three different departments and I want them to just give me a list, yeah. I have to actually request the documents from the three different departments and compile my own list when I get it. That's what they're saying. Because God forbid city workers actually go into a computer and compile something like take three minutes to take three documents, put them in one thing and then send them to me. So on that one, um, they didn't give me the documents, which is okay, because what I'm going to do now is I'm going to submit a public records request. I was trying to think, like, how do I get what I want? What I want is how much money they paid for legal fees and how much money above the contracts of those uh, legal contracts that they paid. So I think the only way to get that is to submit a public records request for all of the invoices for 2020 and 2021 for legal fees. Then I already have a copy of the contracts. I'll compare them to the contracts and I'll figure out how much. I'll do it. I'll do. I'll do their work for them because apparently they're just way too busy doing other stuff to do that. So I will do that. Um, the other thing that I asked for was I asked for uh, all of the pay and overtime for all the DPW workers. In the city of Methuen. And their answer was, that's not a public record. The name and salary and overtime of DPW workers, city workers, paid with city money, is not a public record. 
So I submitted a appeal to the Secretary of State's office, the Secretary of State Bill Galvin's office, and they are, by the way, pretty amazing when it comes to holding local municipalities' feet to the fire on public records. They sent a letter to the city of Methuen, uh, to the city, the, the city attorney, and I'm trying to remember his name. It'll come to me. Um, the, new, the new city attorney, the guy that's suing his previous employer. I'm still trying to figure why they hired him, but okay. So they sent a letter to him saying um, basically that this office uh, has received an appeal and that you need to turn the records over. Um, within a day, I had the records. Okay, so first they wow. sent first they sent me all the records, the payroll sheets with everything blacked out, and I wanted to bring that and show that to you, um, but it, it, it's it t- I mean, just take my word for it. It was all blacked out. The name of the employee was blacked out. Their salary was blacked out. Their overtime was blacked out. Till they heard from the Secretary of State, then I got everything. Then the Secretary of State sent me a letter saying, since you got what you wanted, we're going to consider your case closed. Great. So I have what I want. The reason I asked for these records is for the last year and a half, we've been hearing that City Council President Steve Saban's son, who is a DP, who got, he got himself, he, he got his kid a job working for DPW. The guy that pounds his fist and talks about nepotism and insider deals, he got, a, he got his kid a job working for DPW. So we've been hearing for over a year that Steve Saban's son was getting an exorbitant amount of overtime. Um, over other guys that have been there for like 35 years. Now, I have the records, I've gotten the records, but because of the computer situation, I haven't had a chance to delve into the records. But I did say at the last meeting, at the last show that I was on that I will go through these records, and if there's nothing there, if those rumors turn out not to be true, we'll report that too. I'm going to give you a preliminary report just based on what I've looked at already. What I've looked at already doesn't really seem to show that the rumors about Steve Saber's son getting exorbitant amounts of overtime are true. Now, I still have to delve into them. So I'm, that's why I'm calling this a preliminary report. You, you guys who follow me on Facebook, you guys who listen to us on Podbean and Spreaker, you're going to have, you know, I'm going to try and give you everything that I can when I have it. However, um, I do want to go through it more. There might be more there. There's a, there's, uh, a lot of lines, a lot of, do- a lot of uh, stuff there that has to be interpreted. So I am going to do that in the next couple of days. And if it turns out that those rumors are not true, I'm going to come in here and I'm also going to write a story because whether I like Steve Saber or not, and I don't, but whether I like him or not, people who spread these kind of rumors need to be called out. And right. if, if it's not true, if someone feeds me information that I have to waste my time researching to find out it's not true, it kind of pisses me off. Right. So if it turns out that it's not true and it doesn't really look at least on the surface as though it's true... I'll, I will write that story too. My job is to just write the story. It's a bonus if I'm writing something negative about somebody I don't like, but that's not, that's not my motivation, right? The motivation is just to get the information out. And so we've heard these rumors. We heard them during the last election. We've been hearing them since the last election. And so I just want the truth. I just want to know what's real. And so I've, I've given you what I have, at least what I, what I know so far over the next few days. We will go through that. And I will, and I will come in and I'll say, look, I went through it. Here's how much the guy made. Here's, here's how much more other people made. It doesn't really seem exorbitant to me. And then I'll let you guys decide what, what, whatever it is you want to, you know, whatever it is you want to think about the situation. Um, let's see what else we have. We are going to be sending in some other public records requests too once this is over because we're hearing all kinds of stuff uh, on the school department. Um, I want to stay in Methuen for a second, though. I do want to talk about the teachers. Um, 
it seems as though Diana DeSaglio is now at war, our state senator is now at war with the governor. I love Diana DeSaglio, and I love Charlie Baker. I'm probably the only guy left in the world who loves Charlie Baker. All of my conservative friends hate him because he's not conservative. All my liberal friends hate him because he's not liberal enough. Um, he, he's been in for a long time. You know, Ronald Reagan was at, the, was at the lowest point of his approval rating when he left after eight years. People get politician fatigue. Even if you're doing a great job, after a while, people just get sick of you. Um, it's one of the reasons I'm against term limits, especially for like mayors and stuff like that, because the people eventually just kind of get tired of you and say, no, you know what? We're going in another direction. And if they want to keep electing you, I think they ought to be able to do that. There's no um, term limits for governor in mass. And I know that Charlie is, I think he's serving his third term now. Diana DeSaglio is now at war with Charlie Baker. Um, I, I can tell you my money's on Diana DeSaglio. Now, in any other circumstance, my money would be on Charlie Baker. But I know Diana DeSaglio, and I know Charlie Baker, and Diana DeSaglio is going to clean his clock when this is over. She's pissed off because the, the, the governor has not been transparent in who it is that got the contracts to give out the vaccines. She submitted requests to find out how these contracts were given out and what matrix was used to give vaccines out. You've got Mayor Perry and Methuen complaining, we don't have enough vaccines. They did this big thing, this big, huge, I mean, it was, it was a little over the top, if you ask me. It was a one-hour conversation at a city council meeting about the fact that they were having a free vaccine clinic in Methuen for 100 people. There's like 54,000, give or take, people in Methuen. And at that rate, you're on, you're on pace to maybe vaccinate everybody in about 20 years. And they made a huge, big thing. I don't, and again, I don't know why they made a big thing about the fact that they were having a clinic for 100 people when only 100 people could benefit and wasted all of our time on 100 people. But Mayor Perry is all pissed off. Um, mayors in other communities, I know Mayor Ferentini's all pissed off. Um, that's my assessment. I'm sure he would, if he, if he was, he would say, no, no, Tom, it's all rainbows and unicorns. I'm not pissed off. I'm just... I'm just trying to get what's best for Methuen. Like they have to like they have to like sugarcoat everything and use the pretty language of politics, which I, I find deceptive. I know they don't find it deceptive. They consider it just the language of politics they have to use. I find it deceptive. He's pissed off. Ferentini's pissed off. The only people who are not pissed off are the people in Lawrence because they're getting tons of vaccines. So Diana DeSaglio has gone to war with the governor trying to find out how we can get more equity in the distribution of this vaccine for for black and brown communities, we need, we need equity. No, what we really need is we need a common sense vaccine rollout. We need the people who are most vulnerable to get the vaccines first. And I don't care if you're black, I don't care if you're white, I don't care if you're Martian, I don't care if you're purple, I don't care if you're LBGTQ, LMNOP. If you are in a high-risk category, you're over 70, you have a, a pre-existing condition, you, um, uh, you're a, you're a, a police officer, a first responder, someone who's coming, a nurse, healthcare workers. Those are the people that should be getting it first. And it seems as though what the state of Massachusetts is doing is they're playing racial games. We want to make sure this racial group gets it because of 400 years of oppression and slavery and all the excuses that they use today to do stupid things. And it seems as though Charlie's really just doing stupid things. And Charlie has been doing stupid things 
with this COVID thing since day one. And I think it's, he's not a bad guy. He's actually a really good guy and he really intends well, but the problem is he's out of touch. He's rich and he's isolated and he's been the governor now for four, four, eight, maybe nine, maybe nine years. If I have that right, I think maybe nine years. Somebody can look that up for me. Um, and he's, and he's completely out of touch and he doesn't get it. And so it's kind of like Neil Perry, right? When you get in, you consider your constituents the people. And then once you get, once you've been in for a little while, you're only surrounding yourself with like other politicians and suddenly that becomes your world and you don't see the stuff that's going on. And even no matter how much you try, no matter how many doors you knock, you still don't understand it from the outside anymore because now you're in it. And I think Charlie is just isolated and he doesn't get it. He should open the goddamn schools in April or May of last year when I wrote my first editorial in April or May of last year saying open the schools. We all know the schools should have been opened. We all know that schools should not have um, schools should not have been closed actually in the first place because we know kids don't get the virus that easily, don't spread the virus that easily, and 99.9% of the kids that get it are okay. They don't even show symptoms. We were still not open. And now Charlie, who's been playing footsie with the unions for the last year, wants to open everything. And Jeff Riley, who's been a guest on the show, the commissioner of education, wants the schools to be open. And now they've got to play, now they've got to play games with the unions, the teachers unions, to try and get everything open. And Diana DeZago is having none of this. And you know what? Say what you want about her votes on liberal issues, and I will certainly come in someday and talk about all the ridiculous votes she's taken, partial birth abortion and everything else. However, having said that, to placate my conservative audience, when it comes to fighting for her constituents, there is nobody in the statehouse who's better than Diana DeZaglio when it comes to fighting for her constituents. When it comes to constituent services, it's one of the reasons Nikki Songas used to always get reelected. As much as I didn't like Nikki Songas when she was a congressman, Whenever I or a veteran group or a neighborhood group or a neighborhood association called her and said, we have a problem, within a week it was fixed. She did it. She tasked her staff and said, get this done, and it got done. So when she took votes on stupid things like raising my taxes, I didn't like it. When she took votes on abortion and all this other stuff that I don't agree with, I didn't like it. But when she ran for office and she ran for re-election, we'd have her on the show, we'd interview her, we'd go to her events, and we'd cover her fairly because she did a good job. I mean, I would do that for anybody, but more so because she did a good job on constituent services. So I know that this is going to be Charlie Baker versus Diane DiZaglio, and I'm just telling you right now, before it's all over, put your money on Diane DiZaglio, because when she's done, we will have more COVID vaccines in the Merrimack Valley, and it will be thanks to Diane DiZaglio. I will tell you that right up front. A lot of the other reps, a lot of the other senators, I'm not saying they're doing bad work, they're doing good work. They're doing okay work. They're not doing Diana DeZaglio work. Diana is just kind of like a step above. It's kind of like, I don't know, like, it's kind of like the Tiger, she's like the Tiger Woods of, of politics, right? You've got great golfers out there. You've got great golfers and everybody, everybody knows their name. I don't, because I don't watch golf. But everybody knows their name. And then you get, and then when Tiger walks onto the field, right? Everything just stops because he's the guy that makes things happen. And that's Diana DeZaglio. And Yes, I disagree with her on some stuff. Yes, I will be more than happy to talk about some of those things someday. Not today. But as it goes, she really is a step above just about everybody. Really, everybody else. I can't really think of another state rep or state senator that is working as hard as she is 
and not just busy work hard. Like a lot of these politicians, you see them at every ribbon cutting, you see them at every meeting, you see them at every event, and you get the impression that they're working hard. But they're not filing bills. They're not getting back to people. Their staff isn't, isn't solving local problems for their constituents at the level that Diana is. Diana's just, she's just a rock star. And she was talking about running for Congress last year, and I'm just so glad she didn't. Because I think she'd be a nightmare as a congressman. Um, because, of all, because of all the national stuff. You know, she's very anti-Trump. She's on board with all the woke bullshit. So on the national level, I, 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 I shuddered when she talked about running for Congress. She's where she belongs right now. This is her job for life if she wants it, if she keeps it. If she wants to keep it, it's hers. Um, we tried to get her on the show today, and they had a hearing this afternoon. So she was slated to come on. I learned after the last guy not to promote people before they come on the show because then something happens last minute, they can't come on. I was ready to promote last week that Diana was coming on the show today to talk about her fight with the governor. And then last minute, they held, they scheduled a hearing so she couldn't be here, which is why I'm, why I'm glad I didn't do that. Uh, what else do we have? Um, oh, so let's go back to this public records thing for one second. I got some emails from people who said, why are you blaming Neil Perry? Seems like you're blaming Neil Perry for you not getting your public records. Well, yeah, I really wasn't blaming Neil Perry. It is part of, it is part of his administration. But think about this. The... City attorney doesn't work for the mayor, okay? And I should have explained this on the last show, and I didn't. City attorney works for anybody? City council. And who's president of the city council? That would be Steve Saba in Methuen. So Rossetti is the guy's name, I think. Attorney Rossetti, I think. Could be wrong about that. Um, he got my public records request. And he took it to Steve Saber. Now, my public records request was about Steve Saber's son. So what do you think happened? Steve Saber, the city council president, told the city attorney not to turn over public records. Not to turn over public records. Because it had to do with his son. Huh. That changes the story significantly, doesn't it? A little. Because regardless of what I find when I finish going through these documents... The story would have been, in the next paper, what the documents say. Either the documents say that his son gets a lot of overtime, or rumors have been spreading that he's been getting a lot of overtime because of who he is, and we looked at the documents, and that's not true. That's what the story would have been one way or the other prior to me finding out about them refusing my public records request. Now that I know the story is going to be, why did the city council president break the law and tell the city attorney to break the law by telling him to refuse to turn over records that are public records. And we know that they're public records because they ended up giving them to us. If they weren't public records and it had to do with Steve Saber's son, trust me, they would have fought this all the way to court. And they would have won if it was not a public record. But it is a public record. So this whole, this whole all these shenanigans, whenever you watch the city council meetings, it's the ones that talk about integrity the most that have no integrity. It's the ones that talk about transparency the most. Let's remember Judy Scannell. I, I loved her as a person, but all she talked about for 10 years as superintendent was transparency. You couldn't ask her what time. If you asked her, Judy, what time is it? She'd say, well, you know, in all transparency, it's 1245. Like she'd worked the word transparency into every fucking thing she said. Everything she said was about transparency. And then we found out at the end she was the least transparent person in the city of Methuen. She didn't have a certification. Nobody knew. People that knew weren't saying anything. 
So I'm just cautioning you. When you watch those meetings and you hear somebody say, my integrity, my integrity, you know for sure there's there's an integrity issue with that person. And when they're pounding their fist talking about corruption and doing away with corruption and doing away with nepotism like Steve Saber does, just know that he got his kid a job in DPW and he told the city attorney not to turn over public records. Not to turn over public records. And by the way, lie in writing saying that they're not public records. And let me again remind you for those of you who don't know, I haven't even looked at your comments yet. I wrote the state's public records law. I wrote it. I know what's in it. I know that the city employees and their salaries and their, and their overtime and the money they get from grants that don't even come from city funds, those are all public records. So I just wanted to give you a little bit of a follow-up on that. How are we doing on time? Oh, we're all halfway, halfway done already. What else do we have? Uh, so we did that. Um, there's a lot of things in this COVID relief bill for specific types of businesses. Things like if you're a newspaper, if you're a barber shop, if you're a small food uh, like restaurant or um, an eatery, if you're a small eatery with under a certain number of employees, there's extra money in this COVID bill that's that's being dispersed right now, not the one they're debating, but the one that's out now. There's all kinds of extra money in for specific types of businesses. And I want to talk about this a little bit because they're not making it easy for you guys to find it. I know that in this bill, there is extra money for, I'm going to apply it to me, but I want you to take this and apply it to the other businesses as well. So I'm a newspaper. I'm not a newspaper. I own a newspaper. I own a newspaper. There's money in this COVID bill that's on the streets now that's being dispersed now for the media, for small newspaper companies that have under a certain number of employees. Well, I only have one employee, so I know I qualify. I've spent a week navigating through just about every website I can find to find those extra benefits for the media and still have not found it. So I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty research-savvy guy. It's kind of what I do, right? I'm an investigative reporter. It's one of the hats that I wear. And finding stuff online is kind of like my expertise, I mean, if, you, if, if there's an elected official that beat his wife and there's a, a, a restraining order out there somewhere, I'm going to find it at election time. Even if it's hard to find, I'm going to find it. But I couldn't find this. So it brought me back to a conversation that we had with, um, with Joe Bevilacqua from the Merrimack Valley Chamber of Commerce. If I can't find this and you're a small barbershop or you're a small pizza shop or you're a small law firm that has under, let's say, 10 employees, and there's extra money in this bill for you, you're never going to find it. If I can't find it, you're never going to find it. So I asked around a few people, and they said, talk to your lender. Great. So I called my bank. I called Santander Bank. Now, I have a love-hate relationship with Santander. 50% of the time I deal with them, I love them. 50% of the time, I hate them. This is one of the times I hate them. I called them on the phone. I said, this is who I am. I know that there's money in this bill for um, not just regular, I'm eligible for the regular PPP, but I'm also eligible for additional funding because we're a newspaper. And somebody said, call my lender, you're my lender. Humana, 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 humana. They had no answer for me. My lender, they said, we can help you with the regular PPP stuff. We can help you walk through that. But this newspaper stuff, we don't know anything about it. We, no, no clue. We, I'm like, well, do you have a supervisor that I can... Well, we can give you a supervisor, but he's not going to be able to tell you anything. I said, okay, well, give me the supervisor anyway. Supervisor gets on the phone, can't tell me anything. 
So it brings me back to Joe Bevilacqua. If you're a small business in the Merrimack Valley, even if you're in Salem, New Hampshire, I consider that part of the Merrimack Valley. Even if you're in Wyndham, I consider that part of the Merrimack Valley. If you're a small business and you know that the business that you're in has, has extra money in this bill for you, and most of it you don't have to pay back, most of them are forgivable loans, call your Chamber of Commerce, call the Merrimack Valley Chamber of Commerce, and they will walk you through it. I called Joe Bevilacqua. He said, when you've got about a, you know half an hour to sit down with somebody on the phone, we'll schedule a time, we'll sit down with you, we'll call you on the phone, we'll conference you in, whatever we have to do, and we will find this money that's in the COVID bill for you. We will help you find it. So that's my advice to, to uh, small businesses out there that are still struggling. I haven't gotten anything from the second COVID bill. I called my bank. They said, uh, after I finished all the other stuff about, they didn't know anything about newspapers. And I asked them about my regular PPP. And they said something about, well, there's a line on your tax form when you fill out your 2020 taxes. And you just, you put it in there. And then they deducted off your taxes. And it, it all seemed like bullshit to me. I was told we were getting a $600 check. You were told we were getting a $600 check. A lot of people I know got a $600 check. But somehow, I can't get a $600 check. And on top of all that, our new president promised us during the campaign we were going to get $2,000 check. Take it to the bank, he said. Well, I took it to the bank. They don't know anything about it. They're still arguing. They impeached the president who wasn't even president. They're passing all kinds of equity in the military laws, all this stupid global warming, closing down pipelines, destroying the economy. They had time for all that, but they still haven't had any friggin' time for you, the taxpayers, to give you relief. Do you know every other country that's been affected by COVID, every other country that I've looked up, and I've looked up, I think, like 25 countries, from Eastern Europe to Western Europe, Canada, Mexico, they're all giving people money monthly. Their government is dishing money out to people monthly because your rent doesn't come every six months. Your rent comes every month. And yet here, the richest country in the world, we're sending millions of dollars to Jordan and Egypt and Pakistan while our own people are starving, our own businesses are closed, and our own people are committing suicide, taking drugs, or becoming alcoholics because their job is gone and everything's closed down. The Democrats have everything now. You can't blame Orange Man bad for this one. You can't, you, can't, you can't blame Donald Trump for this one. You've got the House is a bunch of Democrats, majority. The Senate, majority Democrat. The White House, Democrat. They can pass anything they want. You would think the first thing that they would have passed would have been $2,000 for you and me. But no, they're not doing that. They spent a whole week on impeaching a president that's not a president. They passed all kinds of money for other countries. And now they want to pass another stimulus, and they're fighting over it after they're doling out billions of dollars to other countries. You know, like him or not, Donald Trump was right. Why are we sending money to other countries when we're starving? If everything in America was great and we had no such thing as homeless people, if TMF didn't have to go out and give food to people every Wednesday night and set up a dinner for them every night, if the TMF kids didn't have to drive around twice a week to all the tent cities and bring them food, if we had no such thing as homeless veterans and we had money left over, I'd say, yeah, you know what? If Pakistan needs a little help, we're doing good here. We can help them out a little bit. But if your kid doesn't have a coat, you don't go to Kohl's and buy a coat for the kid next door. You take care of your own kid first. That is if you love your kid. 
And if these politicians love the people that they're supposed to represent, they would have taken care of us first. But they didn't. They took care of their corporate donors first. They took care of other countries that slide money into their pocket through, um, through third parties, donations for their political campaigns, or, or, or buying widgets from their widget company. You know, all these senators, they're all millionaires. They all own businesses. So even if money isn't donated to their campaign, these foreign leaders can just buy their product of whatever company that they own. They're selling cars. They're selling drum sets. They're selling widgets. They say, oh, you know, we won't give money to his campaign. We'll just buy a million widgets from his widget company, and his profits will go up 500%. But what they weren't doing was they weren't taking care of you. But you guys were dumb. Really, you kind of deserve it. Because you had a chance to vote for a guy that would have made sure you got the money. And instead, you believed everything CNN told you, and you voted for the guy that promised you he wasn't going to close the pipeline, and then did that on his first day. The guy that promised you he was going to give you a $2,000 check, and it's now February, and we don't have a check. They went from $2,000, they said, no, 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 now we're going to make it $1,400. Okay, fine, where's my $1,400? We still don't have it. We don't have our $1,400. But again, you guys deserve it. So I don't mean, I don't know, I don't know what else to tell you. Um, the Biden administration, I could be like Hannity and Tucker and everybody else that come in here and just rail against all the stupid things they're doing. It's just a waste of time. Because quite frankly, if the Republicans were in, other than maybe Donald Trump, if the Republicans were in, they'd all be doing the same stupid shit. Because the Republicans and the Democrats have both sold us out. That's why they all hated Trump. They hated Trump because he wasn't on board with their little inside deals. Where they were all making money on all these, all these trade deals with China and trade deals with Ukraine and trade deals with Russia and trade deals with Argentina. They were all making millions of dollars on the side on it. And then Trump came in and said, wait, why are we spending all this money on stupid stuff? Like, why are, we, why are we spending $8 million studying a three-toed sloth when that $8 million can go to homeless veterans? Like, how about we just have our priorities in, in order? But the Democrats and Republicans have both completely sold us out. And when Joe Biden says America's back, he didn't mean America, the old America's back. He mean Obama's America's back. Where white people are bad, cops are bad. Oh, by the way, unless the cops are, are, are protecting politicians. The cops at the Capitol, you know, all summer it was cops are evil, cops are systemically racist, cops by virtue of being cops are all a bunch of jackbooted thugs who gunned down black men for fun in the middle of night until the so-called insurrection at the Capitol and a police officer lost his life. Then suddenly police officers are fucking heroes. Suddenly these guys are the best. No talk anymore about cops being systemically racist, are there? No more, no more talk from Kamala Harris about how the criminal justice system is all racist against black people, which is a total farce, by the way. No, cops are good. The military's bad, and cops are bad until the military's protecting them, and cops are protecting them, which goes to show you that everything they say is a lie. Everything they say is a lie. And some of them even lie to themselves, because I think, I think they're so steeped in their own narrative, their own propaganda, that they believe it when they say it. They believe that on the one hand, the cops are all a bunch of jackbooted thugs. On the other hand, we need gun control turning all your guns. Well, gee, if I was a black guy, that'd make me really nervous. 
if I was a black guy, if I was a black guy who lived in Lawrence or Roxbury or even North Andover, if I was a, if I was black and living in America, and I heard those two messages coming out of the party in control in Washington, that a, the cops are out to gun me down and everybody who looks like me, and b, you shouldn't have a gun to protect yourself against those jackbooted thug cops turning all your guns. We need gun control. That would make me awfully. That would make me wonder whose side the Democrats are really on. So, do they really believe that the cops are a bunch of racist, jackbooted, systemically racist thugs who are, black, who, are, who are gunning down black men for sport in the middle of night, for driving while black or walking while black? Do they really believe that? Because if they do, they really can't believe taking everybody's guns is a good idea, right? Because if the problem is the cops, we should have. More guns on the street to defend ourselves against those white, evil, racist cops. So I really think these people actually believe both of these things because they're stupid. They're just brainwashed. They, they just they repeat the pretty language of politics. They don't want to come out and really say what, what is real. Because if they do, they'll piss off their colleagues. Because their colleagues are all on the same page. They're all reading from the same script. And if you go off script, they're going to be mad at you. They're going to attack you. This is why we have this cancel culture situation where CNN goes on and, and starts yelling and screaming and crying about some, some congressman, I don't even remember her name, who believes in some QAnon conspiracy. Who gives a shit? I don't care if she believes we never landed on the moon. I don't care if she believes that there was a conspiracy to kill John F. Kennedy. I don't care if she believes that 9-11 was, a, was a, an inside job. I don't care. You know what I care about? I care about how she votes. I care about how she handles her constituent services. That's why we elect congressmen. And if she's voting the right way, and she's, and she's taking care of her constituents, who cares what's inside her head? I mean, we have congressmen who are blatant, flat-out racists. Black racists. Maxine Waters. Hates white people. Kamala Harris. Hates white people. And I know the Democrats are all rolling your eyes going, oh, he watches Fox News. Trust me, I don't watch Fox News. I watch CNN all day. I watch, the, I watch this nonsense all day in my office while I'm working. And it's ridiculous. They don't believe what they say. They don't say what they believe. They say what needs to... Here's what they do is they, they hire pollsters to call people and test out certain phrases to see whether people react positively or negatively to those phrases. And that's why we're now starting to hear new, word, new phrases that don't mean anything like equity. We need equity in the distribution of vaccines. What does that mean? We need equity in hiring. We need e- what does that mean? Nobody's ever explained it. Nobody knows what it means because it's, just, it's a word that they, they test polled that people reacted positively to even though they don't know what it means. And they said, oh, here's a word we can use that nobody knows what it means and it will make them think positively of me. So I'll use those words. And so they all follow the same script. And by the way, I don't want to keep going back to this, but this is why they hated Donald Trump so much. Not because he was a racist, because he wasn't a racist. Not because he did anything bad. Not because his policies. It's because he refused to follow the script. He came out and he said, why are we doing things this way? And he just called it like it was. When he said that Mexico is sending us, their, they're not sending us their best. They're not sending us their doctors and their lawyers. They're sending us, drug dealers and criminals. He was talking about the government of Mexico when they were opening their prisons and sending people to the border to come here. So there wouldn't be a problem down there. And they took that 
and they and they transformed it to Donald Trump said all Mexicans were rapists and drug dealers. And then they repeated it and repeated it and repeated it. They rewrote history while it was happening so that you will remember it the way they want you to remember it, not the way it actually happened. And so this is why they hated Donald Trump. Look, there were a lot of things Donald Trump did I didn't like, okay? But if you really want to get to the root of the visceral hatred for the 24-7 attack on Donald Trump for four straight years, to the point where they were, where the CNN broke in with a breaking story that Donald Trump took people out for ice cream. Everybody got one scoop, but Donald Trump got two. And they actually had a friggin' panel that talked about it for two hours. For two hours. What does this really say about his racism? And what they had to delve into all these things that meant nothing. But at the heart of all that was because he wasn't following the script that the media has beaten politicians into reading. And he was using words and phrases that the media has beaten politicians into not using anymore because they don't want people to know what's really going on. They don't want you to understand that your government was spending millions of dollars on Pakistan and Jordan and not giving you a fucking dime while people were starving, overdosing on drugs, overdosing on alcohol, or committing suicide because they lost their job, they lost their home, they lost their family. They don't want you to pay attention to that. They don't want you to pay attention to the fact that Wall Street and the major corporations are all behind all of this. Think about who benefited during all the COVID lockdowns. It wasn't the mom and pop shop. It wasn't the mom and pop store that is uh, selling canned goods. It was Walmart. It wasn't the small suit company next door to Walmart. It was Walmart. It was Target. It was Kohl's. It was the major corporations. You know, I, I got involved in politics at a very early age. I was 18 when I first ran for school committee in Lawrence. I've been involved in every election since then. I really believed in my entire life, I really believed that the system worked. That you campaign for somebody that you agree with. If they get in, they enact the policies that you elected them to enact. And then if they lose the next election, people with different views get the policies that they want enacted. But now I'm at a point in my life where I'm looking at all of this and I'm thinking and believing that none of it is real anymore. None of it is real. Let's get into my, my final topic because it all blends in nicely. You can have that, that, um, that picture ready if I can actually find the story. Hopefully I didn't, I didn't bounce it down. So here in New Hampshire, we, we broadcast this program from Wyndham, New Hampshire. I'm sorry, Salem, New Hampshire. Right up the road is Wyndham where my summer place is. I won't say where because Uncle Frankie will get mad at me. In Wyndham, New Hampshire, during the presidential election, we covered this in December. Getting back to how nothing is what you think it is. In Wyndham, New Hampshire, there was a state rep race in the, in the 7th District of Salem. And in that race, the Democrat won until they did a recount on the Dominion machines. And it turns out that there were three Republicans and one Democrat, and the machine shorted all three Republicans exactly 300 votes and gave those 300 votes to the Democrat. Now, I know that this is anecdotal. I know that this is one precinct, this is one district in one state. I am not saying that this is proof that that the election was stolen, so save your hate mail. I don't want to hear it. I'm not going to read it, okay? What I am saying is, and we're going to go through this in a second, what I am saying is that if it's happened in Wyndham, New Hampshire, 
And there is now proof because they've done two hand recounts. And there is now proof. Pull that up on the, on the screen, uh, Chrissy. You're doing a great job, by the way. Um, Thanks, Tom. Okay, so here it is. So if you look at the actual count for uh, Sodi, whatever her name is, Sodi, uh, the original count was um, 4,777. But on the recount, picked up 297 votes. Hmm. Griffin, 5,292. Picked up 299 votes on the recount. Lynn picked up 303 votes on the recount. And McMahon picked up 298 on the recount. Did I get that right? I think I did. Right? So if this is going on in right here, right right up the street in Wyndham, New Hampshire, you know it's happened other places. So when CNN and the Democrats and NBC News comes on TV and tells you there's no such thing as voter fraud, there's no such thing as um, Dominion machines miscounting, they're lying to you. Again, I'm not saying that the election was stolen. I'm not saying that this would have changed the election. It probably wouldn't have. Even if you added them up all over the country, it probably would not have. I'm not interested in having a debate as to whether or not the election was stolen. That's not the intent of this discussion. The intent of this discussion is to get you stop thinking in absolutes the way the media wants you to think that, A, there's no such thing as voter fraud because we know that there is, and B, these machines were flawless. They were not. Clearly, there's room for error. There is room for error. And it's interesting, although still just anecdotal, that all three Republicans lost 300 votes and the Democrat gained those votes. Hmm. Now, is that suspicious? You're damn right. It's suspicious. We should be looking into it. Now, the attorney general in Massachusetts is asking to confiscate the Dominion machines away from the audit team so that they can do a study of the machines. I can't imagine that Trump was right, that these machines were fixed so that Republicans would lose votes and Democrats would gain votes. I can't imagine that that could be true because CNN said that it's just a conspiracy theory. You're as crazy as QAnon if you believe it. And the Democrats on NBC and ABC and CBS and the Wall Street Journal and, uh, and the Boston Globe and the New York Times and the LA Times and the Washington, whatever they have, are all telling you that it's, it's just not possible. It is possible. I don't know that that's what happened because I require facts. I require, I'm, I'm, like, like Neil Perry, although he didn't really mean it, I require facts and data, right? And the facts and data that I look at says, yes, the machines were flawed. Yes, there's something suspicious here. I can't draw a conclusion until we look at the machines. Let's, let's see and wait uh, for, the, for the Attorney General in New Hampshire to go through these machines, to quarantine these machines, whatever they got to do, take them apart and figure out what's going on with them. By the way, we also know voter fraud exists because we've covered Lawrence for 17 years. I mean, we all remember Willie Antigua stealing votes. We all remember how he stole the votes. And in fact, I even did a whole show telling you how he stole those votes, like exactly how he did it. And it wasn't an instruction for future people to steal votes, but I happened to be on the ground watching it while it was happening. So we came in and we told you how they monkeyed around with the absentee ballot, ballot votes and exactly how they did it, exactly how they pulled it off. Having people walk in at five minutes before the polls close, looking over the woman's shoulder to see who didn't vote, and then giving that name. 
to vote five minutes before the because what's the chances if that person hasn't shown up until now five minutes left to go you get 20,000 names on the list just randomly pick one what's the chances she shows up in four minutes we watched it happen voter fraud does happen um, mistakes happen voting machines do have errors and there is a possibility that software can be monkeyed around with to, to fix a voting machine that's why it's great that we have hand recounts I'm okay with using Dominion voting machines. I'm sure, that there's, I'm sure that there are other situations with other types of machines. And I'm okay with using Dominion voting machines if they, if they, for the most part, prove reliable. Because right now, what we have is a system where we can do a hand recount. The only reason why in, in, we know about what's going on in Wyndham is because one of the state rep candidates, I think it was the person who won. I could be wrong about that. But I think the person who won looked at the numbers and said, that doesn't really look right, and called for a recount. And come to find out, yeah, the machine shorted all three Republicans, 300, about 300 votes each, and gave it to the Democrat. We need to look at that. I don't, know, I don't know if that was done on purpose. I don't know if it was a glitch in the system. I don't know if maybe when people were feeding their, their, their ballots into the machine, they were, there was something funny was happening and it was just reading it wrong. But we certainly can't say with certainty the way CNN says every single day, 500 times a day, that the Dominion machines were perfect. There's no such thing as voter fraud. There's no such thing as, as voter error, and that and and that the uh, the 2020 election was perfect because it wasn't. So we're going to keep an eye on that for you. Um, I will also keep you updated next week on on our uh, public records situation. Uh, we got about f- five minutes left. I I, I said I was going to do a short show, right? So I could just end it now, or I could go into how Biden is. Biden's uh, concentration camps. All right. So let me just say this. All right. I was going to come in here real serious today and be totally outraged at the concentration camps that Joe Biden has set up on the border with these poor migrant children who are being stripped from their families, stripped away from their parents, pulled from their mother's arms, crying and put into cages. But I can't do it. I can't do it with a straight face. I was going to try to do it, but I can't. All I'm going to say is, for those of you who bought into the narrative that we need to vote for Joe Biden because orange man bad, Donald Trump put kids in cages, we can't have that anymore. Guess what's going on right now at the border? It's worse than putting kids in cages. They're putting them in boxcars. Remember World War II when Jews were put on boxcars and sent into concentration camps? AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, said a year ago that this was nothing short of a concentration camp. And at the time, I threw my hands up and said, this is ridiculous. That's outrageous. Now I think she might be right. She's not very bright. She's beautiful as all hell. I'd marry her in two seconds, especially given how dumb she is. I prefer dumber women, quite frankly. I don't argue with you as much. I dated a lawyer for 11 years. After that, I I want the dumbest person I can date. I don't want anybody arguing with me about everything. But um, (laughs) I get off on a tangent. I I apologize. I I look at her. She's laughing, and then I lose it. Um. You have interesting views, what can I say? But I think she's right. I think when you start to think about, look, there's a reason why they're taking kids away from their parents. Because we don't know that they're their parents. We don't know if the person that we're ripping that child away from is actually the person, the kid's father. It could be a drug smuggler. It could be a human trafficker. It could be a child molester. It could be a coyote who the family paid to bring the kid across the border. And he doesn't really care about this kid. He's already been paid. So what they're doing is they're separating the adults from the kids until they can verify that the adults belong to the kids. 
Then they reunite them. That was under the Trump plan. Under the Biden plan, let them stay with the drug dealer. Let them stay with the drug dealer, but we're still going to put them in cages because that's okay. It was only wrong to put kids in cages when Trump was doing it. We all know that if Trump does something, it just must be bad. If we do the same thing, it's okay. And what's interesting is the same people, the, the people who call me um, a Trumpster, that somehow like I just believe everything Trump says, even though anybody who watches this show knows that's not true. Those are the people who are making excuses for it now. They were outraged a year ago. Now, not so much. Except, let's give her credit to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who is still saying, hey, wait a minute. It was wrong when Trump did it. It's wrong when you're doing it, too. So how about just stop doing it? Now, quite frankly, I think the way that we're doing it is the right way to do it. If you find a a kid or a bunch of kids with a grown-up coming across the border... You separate them, you make sure, you do a DNA test, you make sure that this person is the father or the uncle or whoever they say they are, and if they are, then you go through the process of either sending them home or letting them stay, and that's like another whole conversation we can have. The Democrats want everyone to come in. They want every illegal alien in Central America to come here and make them American citizens because they're under the ridiculous belief that they'll all stop voting Democrat, Right? They think that if all these illegal aliens come in from Mexico, from El Salvador, from, uh, from Brazil, from anywhere in Central or South America, they're going to come here. The Democrats are going to make them citizens. They're going to be so grateful they'll be voting Democrat for 100 years. And then we'll have a one-party state. I think they're wrong in that calculation, by the way. I'm still against illegal immigration. I still think there's a pathway to citizenship already. Follow that. But if the Democrats are going to go down this road, and apparently they are, to give legal citizenship to 30 or 40 million illegal aliens, I don't think it's going to turn out the way they think it's going to turn out. I don't think that these people who are coming from third world hellholes, who have socialist dictators, are going to come here, look at what the Democrats are doing, like the Cubans do. Cubans come here from Cuba, they look at what the Democrats are doing, they're going, we want no part of this. I think if you started in mass letting 30 million illegal aliens stay and let more come, I think they're going to figure out what the Democrats are really all about. I think they're going to vote their asses out of office. That's just, that's just my view. In the meantime, though, I think there's concentration camps on our border, and I think they need to stop. We, we, we have these kids in boxcars on the border, like it's 90 degrees every day down there. You ever been in a boxcar? I've been in a boxcar. Like when I was a kid, I lived on Boxford Street in Lawrence, and, and the train tracks are like three blocks away. We used to go and hop up on the trains. We'd get in the boxcars. We'd hang out with our friends till the railroad police came, and then we'd, they'd chase us out. Uh, by the way, free tip, railroad police have more authority than the FBI and your local cops. If the railroad police catch you, you're screwed no matter what you do. I only found out because I got caught. <laughs> and my father came to visit me at the railroad police jail. And he said, listen, there's nothing I can do for you. If I was in the FBI, there's nothing I could do for you. If I was, if I was in the CIA, there'd be nothing I can do for you. Railroad police have their own special power, their own local and state and federal national power. I think they're the only ones in the country that have it, except maybe the postmaster. So I've been in boxcars. I used to hang out in boxcars when I was a kid. And when it got over 70 degrees, you didn't want to be in a boxcar. And that's 70 degrees. Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, it's 95 degrees every day on a good day. 
And these kids are in boxcars with cages on the windows. Kids in cages under Democrats. But you know that it's okay because we're not calling it that. When they asked Jen Psaki, the hottest woman on TV, President Biden's press secretary, the only good thing he's done since he got in, when they asked her, her basic answer was, no, it's not kids in cages because we're not calling it that was basically her answer. It's, we're calling it this, we're calling it that. And by the way, we've got the first female whatever to try and distract everybody, but it's still kids in cages. So you're either going to walk the walk or you're not. And we can have a, a full show someday about illegal immigration. I don't think we really need to do that. I think everybody that watches the show knows where I stand on it. And if you're watching the show, there's a pretty good chance you at least agree with me on some of it. Because most people who disagree with me vehemently won't watch the show. They don't want to open their mind to new ideas. They don't want to open their mind and consider the other side might have a point on anything. So if you're in the middle or you're on or to the right on this issue, you probably agree with me. There's no need for me to do that. Uh, why don't we roll up? Um, I did have, here she is. All right, we'll get this. We'll roll up uh, Melvin Taylor for the end of the show. There it is. Mel's been going live, by the way, on Facebook. And he really? did, he did this song. I requested this song while he was live on Facebook. And he did this song. And half the people watching were like, hey, isn't that the song on Duggan's show? I'm like, yeah, this is the guy that wrote it for us. Um, we want to thank Tina's Cleaning. So I got a new cleaning lady. a new cleaning, oh. And we have a new cleaning girl. Cleaning girl Tina. And she came into my office. It sparkled when I walked in. I got nervous. I was actually scared. Because <laughs> it sparkled. And I went, oh, my God, I'm never going to be able to find anything. I, could, I found everything. Everything that I had in piles, she had moved them, cleaned underneath it. And, like, reorganized the piles for me. She took care of my rug. She took care of my walls. She took care of my dusting. She did a phenomenal job on the kitchen. So if you're looking for a cleaning lady, I've got a guy. Well, it's not a guy. It's a girl. Called Tina's Cleaning, 978-476-0963. We also want to thank uh, Four Star Lighting, Climate Design Systems, Century 21, McLennan Real Estate, EIS Investigations. Who do we miss? Marseille and Sun Construction. Who did we miss somebody? I know we did. We missed somebody, right? We did Century 21. We did the Climate Designs, Run Marseille and Sun. I think we got everybody, right? I'm pretty sure Climate we got them all. And, and, a, and, a free, and a free plug for Jasmine's computer service. Sounds like Melvin Taylor's still playing, right? Yeah. I'll give you a longer version of that. I only had it for like a minute out, and now I talk a lot more at the end, so I'll give you the full thing. That's all right. We'll just loop it again. It's fine. I want to say thank you, too, to Ralph Wilbur, who has been my business partner for 17 years at the Valley Patriot. He has gone off into retirement and has uh, sold his shares and um, has left the building. He's in, his, he's in his 90s. I won't tell you what number, because if I get it wrong, I'll get Like, there's a difference between 91 and 97. It really, once you're over 80, does it matter, right? But right. he's in his 90s, and he wants to relax, and he wants to enjoy himself. And so uh, it's been a fun 17 years with Ralph, and I want to thank him for all of the help he's given us to start the paper and to keep the paper going. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, Dave Garofalo here at Two Guys Smoke Shop at Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. And the, what's the network? United Podcast Network. And the United Podcast Network, she said, from Australia. Melvin Taylor says go home, so go home already. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.